0: Welcome to Dynasty Theory, your
1: source for everything Dynasty fantasy football. With your hosts, John Bauer.
2: Looking to sell everybody price dependent.
1: Dan LaMagna.
2: Too much
0: dysfunction in Cleveland. And Mitch Sorensen. Well,
2: it's hard to compete with excellence. Welcome back to another live episode of Dynasty Theory, a proud member of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast Network. I'm your host, John Bauer. You can find me on Twitter at the Club, And of course, I am joined by Dan LaMagna that is at Dan on Twitter. What's going on, Dan?
0: Good evening, gents. I'm uh, pumped to go again tonight. You know, week uh, 12 NFL and Dynasty Fantasy Football was another roller coaster, mostly fun, but it was kind of weird. You know, we had an awesome Thanksgiving. I was on a high in that Houston game. My Cowboys dreams got dashed again for the 25th year in a row. And then the dynasty teams did good, but then it ended with this Will Fuller
2: injury that we're going to talk about. So I'm dive. I'm, I'm ready to dive into this tonight, man. And you act like week 12 is behind us. We still have one more game to go. A yeah, 3:40 uh, Eastern standard time game tomorrow. The Steelers and Ravens as of now, we'll see if that goes on here as planned. Also joined by I want to say Dan LaMagna again. I I just want to introduce Dan again. But no, that is Mitch Sorensen at DinoMC on Twitter. What's going on, Mitch? What's going
1: on, guys? I've been waiting for this show all day. I've been home with two sick kids. Ten-year-old pretty much takes care of himself, but the young one, oh, it's been a long day with a lot of horrible cartoons. So, man, I'm excited to get this show going.
2: This week's episode is brought to you by MyFrontPageStory.com. This is the best, most unique holiday gift ever, especially this year during the pandemic. Seriously, you don't even have to leave your house. It's done over the phone. You talk to a professional writer about a loved one for about 10 to 15 minutes, and the MyFrontPageStory.com writer will write the most incredible story about them. There's something truly amazing about saying to somebody, I wanted to do something special for you this year, so I had a story written about you. The story looks like it's on the front page of the newspaper, framed and a lifetime keepsake they will put up in their house immediately. It's incredibly emotional for them when they read quotes from you in print that say things like, I can never thank her enough, or I wouldn't be the person I am today without her. It just hits differently when they read it in print. Bottom line, your loved one will cry happy tears and you'll win. I know Dan got a few of these for loved ones for Mother's Day, and they absolutely loved it. Dan hasn't stopped raving about it since. Go over to MyFrontPageStory.com. Make sure you use code THEORY20. Again, that's THEORY20 for 20% off. MyFrontPageStory.com. Use code THEORY20. Check out what they have to offer. You're going to love it. A guy who typically has some hamstring issues, has some leg issues, was healthy all the way up to this point in 2020. Will Fuller, we hear over the last, what was it, yesterday, that he tested positive for PEDs. He said it was medicine that he got from a doctor. He wasn't sure. He didn't know. Six-game suspension, the remainder of 2020, and then one game in 2021. Dan, what are our thoughts here? Because I know this hits you hard With your dynasty rosters
0: yeah i was uh you know ready to have you guys take me off the bridge here with this one boys i was this this one just it stings right here you know it's like uh my, my high school sweetheart broke up with me four dynasty leagues including our undefeated beer league that we're in i'm in you know with you guys 16 team league i have in my nffc high stakes league So like week 13, could the timing get any worse? Um, You know, unless our leagues still have trade opportunities, which I'm really not fond of trading because we're about to roll into the playoffs. Some leagues start playoffs here now in week 13, and you lose a receiver that was just having an awesome year. You know, we said way back when in the Dynasty Theory preseason shows that we liked Will Fuller. You know, yeah, there was health concerns, but boy, he had some upside, and he's been healthy, he's been reliable, and – if your trade deadline pass and you don't have the wide receiver depth and the waiver wire is tapped, it's a it's a little bit scary. I, I think this year it impacts Deshaun Watson too. You know, he you know, not only you're relying on Fuller, but you're relying on Deshaun Watson to be the awesome quarterback that he is, and now he loses his one A wide receiver. So for this year, I'm concerned, you know, I'm looking to see what kind of wide receiver depth I have, looking to see if there is a trade line still in those leagues, looking at the free agent wire and just looking at every scenario to try to keep those rosters strong. As far as the future, I'm not worried about that. You know, I mean, maybe there's a little question mark still with health. You just wonder you know, what is the correlation maybe with, you know, the substance he was taking to him staying healthy all season for the first time ever. But in general, when we get to our drafts in the off season, I'm drafting Will Fuller right where we would have known he had a big year and he shows that he could stay healthy. So this year I'm concerned next year. Not so much.
2: Mitch, before I turn it over to you, Dan, I want one last thought here on Will Fuller. How do you think this impacts his upcoming free agency? you know he he doesn't have a contract in place beyond 2020 what are our thoughts here does he stay in houston does he look elsewhere how does this negatively impact his his value and his contract that he could be bringing in or do you think maybe the the net gain here was worth it for him
0: i think he's still going to be solid i mean inside the those walls of the Houston organization, they know the character of guy he is. I think they probably have the best grasp of what they have in Will Fuller. He's still young. He showed he could be healthy. He showed he could be Deshaun Watson's number one wide receiver. And, you know, I think the question is now there's going to be a new head coach. There's going to be new management. What direction is that organization going? I think the easy short answer is they're going to build around Deshaun Watson. Why would they want to take his number one wide receiver away? So I I think he's still in a good situation, maybe lost a little bit of negotiating leverage, but overall, I think it's still solid.
2: Luckily it will be a new coach and management because you said, why would they want to trade his number one wide receiver way? We, we saw that movie earlier this year and it wasn't pretty, but Mitch will fuller. Obviously, he had that high ceiling. He he was a wide receiver one, and I was one of the people during the offseason, I wasn't getting the shares of him in startups because his health was a concern for me. Now, how do you see this impacting the rest of that offense? Obviously, you look at the splits, and it's not pretty for Deshaun Watson when Will Fuller's not available, but Brandon Cooks, any of the other wide receivers, Duke Johnson, David Johnson, when he comes back, what are our thoughts? I think Watson
1: is going to still be like okay because a lot of the bottom tier starters are still hurt for the quarterbacks. And then I think it does kind of kill David Johnson because they're not going to get as many red zone opportunities with Fuller off the field. Um, Brandon cooks will probably still give you 10 to 12 points a week, maybe 18 if he gets a touchdown. But other than that, like this offense isn't one that I'm going to be liking anymore. I mean, you watch the lions game. He had like, I think six catches and he, you know, went ham off that. I think Deshaun Watson only attempted 24 passes and still put up 300 yards. And without Fuller, I just don't see any possible way that could happen. And the one thing I will mention with the PEDs is I haven't seen what he actually tested positive for yet, right? So
2: really quick, Mm -hmm. you know, you want to give the benefit of the doubt, but then, what, less than a day later, Bradley Roby tests positive with the Houston Texans. And I saw the Tampa Bay had the issue a
1: couple of years ago where the guys were taking Adderall and they just, it's a, it's an approved substance if you've been approved for it, but if you're not approved for it, then it's not. So you wonder if it's one of those things, you know, I hate to say that the only reason why he was playing is because he was taking some sort of juice when the NFL can just something else. It could be something else. Just as help helping him study more, whatever it is. But yeah, you know, it sucks to see him off the field. But going forward, I don't see it really affecting his dynasty value too much. Might drop him down a little bit. But people are kind of like you, John. They were never really trying to acquire him in the first place, even after this good season. They were still just like, well, if I don't have him, I really don't care.
0: I think, John, John, I I think your point's interesting there with Bradley Roby. That's something I didn't hear yet. And, you know, just playing DFS every week, Bradley Roby was having a career year like he was a guy that would shut down or at least contain number one wide receiver. So where, you know, two of their star players having star years, uh, you know, like they have that, again, it just leaves just a little bit of doubt inside our minds uh, when it does come to draft time.
2: If you're not a contender, Mitch, would you be looking to make a move to acquire Will Fuller? And, and let, let's say a contender has him like Dan. Honestly, not.
1: I mean, he would have to be part of a deal. He would never be someone like, you know, I'm going to go get Will Fuller this week. Because instead of getting Will Fuller, I'd rather trade for Devontae Parker and who someone I could think is has just as good of a future next year. And I don't have to worry about the PED usage, the hamstrings, him being a free agent, that sort of stuff.
0: Uh, This is why I love this show with you guys because it gets me like, you know, we have some show notes, but we don't really know what direction or how deep we're diving into this. And as we dive into this, given the benefit of the doubt that maybe, just maybe the Houston Texans could get their hires right and get a good coaching staff for Deshaun Watson. I mean, you have an elite quarterback here. So anytime you have an elite passing quarterback, which is elite for fantasy football, I do want their wide receivers. So, John, you're getting me thinking now. Maybe it's time to do a little bit of shopping for Will Fuller at at what could be a bargain price.
2: And then I'm interested to see the impact it has on Brandon Cooks because you have to think – this is going to increase his target share. But then it always comes down to how much was Will Fuller opening up things for the rest of that offense because the way Will Fuller has been playing, he has been explosive and he's been a difference maker. And it's exactly what we talk about with players like Deshaun Jackson. We talked about it even though he's being able to strike that, reverse it. He's able to be used. I'm all over the place tonight. I'm, I'm, I'm jacked up. Let's go. You know, the Patreon kicked off this morning. Uh, of course, we have to plug that. I see some names in the chat that have already uh, signed up for one of the tiers. We have four different tiers, ranging from the additional weekly and breaking news podcast projections, the, the Mitch, your tiers that you put together, the Sunday brunch episode. So, a lot going on there. But, uh, you know, um, a player that also we talked about in that light that can be used underneath was Henry Ruggs, the way he's opening things up in that Vegas offense. So, players like this yes there's an impact on them specifically but it's going to be impacting the entire offense and you know maybe this is just wistful thinking and the way we saw him start to get a little bit more utilized in the passing game on thanksgiving and i was thankful for this but our man duke johnson Mm -hmm. maybe he gets used a little bit more in the passing game i would like to see that happen
0: You know, I think the sneaky guy will be Kiki Kuti because I think what you're going to see is Deshaun Watson run more and have to play a little bit more backyard football. And, you know, you look at the Texans' remaining schedule, they have the Colts twice, which have a good defense and um, help me their their best top corner, Rhodes, uh, you know, Rhodes close there. He's having a really good year. So you got to imagine they're going to put their best – corner on cooks twice they got the bears who with the exception of this green bay game last weekend's a very good defense and are very tough to pass on on the outside and then they have the Bengals, who's horrible but they do have one decent corner and i'm sure they're going to focus on cooks as well so i don't know if anyone else is good enough on that offense to really step up you know they tried to get akins involved last week he couldn't come down with anything duke johnson underwhelms us every week and then I think that just leaves Kiki Kuti because I believe what
2: Randall Cobb's still out another two, three weeks. And if only they had a player like Kenny Stills that could fill in and they just release him. Wouldn't that be crazy if they go and pick him up now? Yep, it's possible. Uh, he cleared waivers. Nobody was interested. All right, last question. We've kind of talked about the impact that Will Fuller has in this offense. Um, Seth in the chat, no Geo Bernard talk. No, you know, Seth, I can't bring it up tonight. Because, you know, believe it or not, I'm trying to mend our friendship here. Mitch and I, we, we butted heads. We haven't talked since last week's episode, <laughs> but we're looking to move on past that. So thanks for bringing up bad memories here, Seth. All right. So last question, Mitch, we always talk about the changing values for the, the players around these guys that get injured or suspended or whatever the case may be. Are you just planning to ride it out with Deshaun Watson, if you have him, are you looking to make maybe a lateral move that can help you if you're contending? Are you maybe looking to package up for that Mahomes or, you know, depending on how you see Kyler or Russ, what are your thoughts there?
1: No, honestly, if I have Deshaun Watson, he's a top four guy for me right now. So he's, I'm not going to move him for anything just based off this little blip. When you have elite quarterbacks like this, you could win you weeks. Like, I'm not going to do it. Even if it hurts me a little bit in the playoffs, I'm not willing to move him based off this little thing.
2: All right. So yeah. a lot of a lot of conversation, obviously, and insight regarding the Houston Texans offense because it's been so explosive for fantasy purposes. It's been fun to watch. And it's going to be very interesting to see how things shift after Will Fuller being suspended. Okay. A question that we had pop up earlier today or yesterday. And Dan, I want to start with you. Who are some aging players still producing that we will see their value drop in startups and next season in general? So kind of that Julio Jones, you know, leading into that value range.
0: Tricky time of the year to be doing this. And, you know, given that example, Julio Jones, I kind of went with that age discrimination model, which, you know, I like in fantasy football. And we're trying to identify some guys that maybe still had some juice that I just want to get off of. Uh, based on that question so look at the wide receiver position I mean you can make a case these guys are dust already Um they're not exactly producing to where they need to be Uh but you know T.Y. Hilton he showed a little life this week Mitch loves busting me about T.Y. Hilton because I, I just can't let go of him in DFS and, love and, and it, Dynasty. like I still think there's something there I watched the film he, I mean he doesn't look as dust as like dust as Mitch likes to say as a lot of analysts say um, yeah, I think, Dan, so I don't,
2: I don't, th- I don't think T Y Hilton's family mm-hmm. talks about him as much as you do.
0: You know, it, it's a bond we have. He, he probably won me some contest, you know, DFS contest years ago or dynasty league. And I'm, I'm holding on to that love, but. You know, at 31 and he's in his free agent season, I would have liked to have seen more in his uh, free agent season from him. So I think, you know, that value is going to continue to drop in startups. Marvin Jones, age 30, he's shown a little life in recent weeks, but he's another guy where, you know, we had weeks where Galladay was out that you you would hope he could kind of prosper. Hasn't quite happened. Big Ben, age 38, you know, uh, is that offense is kind of still awesome. I know you're a Steelers fan, JB. We love that fantasy football passing attack with that trio of wide receivers, but his arm seems to be on borrowed time at age 38. So, so I have concerns there where, where I might just peg him down every year later. These, these are guys I would want to get off my roster. Now, Matty Ryan, 35 years old. I think that window to sell is shrinking. Don't give him away. Cause I'm, I'm liking the, this, uh, interim head coach a little bit hoping Atlanta brings them back and maybe gets this organization in, in the window they have you know there might be still some good years left in Matty Ryan but at age 35 don't wait until it's like Big Ben 38 or Drew Brees age to let go um, Drew Brees and Philip Rivers I think they already fit in the Mitchell dust category and then a guy who's kind of producing this year that is not necessarily in this old category, but I think he's an old 26 years old as Todd Gurley. I think those knees are 40. You know, again, he's producing. JB, you gave an example of a Mark Ingram-type year like Ingram had last year where, you know, he was getting some touchdowns, getting some fantasy production, but I don't feel good about him any week. You know, so I consider him an old 36. And just to list a guy at the tight end position that, you know, has kind of been good in recent years but seems to be kind of dwindling and losing some snap shares lately is Jared Cook at age 33. So overall that's my age discrimination group of guys that are kind of names but I see their value continuing to drop in startups.
2: All right, so to answer that question, Dan basically went to the the local nursing home <laughs> to throw <laughs> out a list of names, you know, um I I know Halloween obviously it, it passed a while ago, but those are some guys that probably have one foot in the fantasy grave. Mitch You came in and you said, I think we're going to have similar guys here. So before I roll out a list of players, I want you to talk about a few guys here.
1: So like I'm shocked Dan didn't name any of my guys. Like I'm really, really surprised. So this is really going off the dynasty values that I'm seeing on Twitter. People that are already being docked, kind of like we brought, like the question was Julio Jones, Aaron Rodgers, like we saw last season. They are not done. They still have good value, but people just didn't want them. And so one person I'll bring up off the bat is John Brown. He still has another year with Buffalo. He will be turning 31 before next season, but he is a guy to even where they like Gabriel Davis. They end up cutting John Brown. He could go to any team in the league and his skill set fits. There isn't one team in the league that he can't play for and can't produce for. So he's someone that I'm definitely willing to go out and get a piece of. Um the next guy everybody hates him, and I actually traded him a couple weeks ago, Mike Evans. Mike Evans is 28, and we are already seeing that discount. People just don't like him. For whatever reason it is, no one has him in their top 12 dynasty rankings for wide receivers. And so he's already getting that little bit of a knock. Like To get from him up to Tyreek Hill, I had to add a mid-21 first. And I'm still okay doing it just because of how high I have Tyreek Hill. But points per game-wise, they're so close most weeks that it's probably not the best move to make. And then the last guy I'm going to bring up, and I'm shocked Dan didn't talk about him, Zeke Elliott. Zeke Elliott on Twitter, if you do a poll, he is not in people's top 12 running backs right now. And people are acting like you are the worst dynasty manager in the world. If you were willing to get zekiel Elliott, any team because he has to have an elite quarterback an elite line and elite wide receivers that's the only way he produces no that team just sucks they don't have sorry dad they don't have like a good line right now they don't have a good quarterback right now they still have the wide receivers but they can't produce either because they don't have a line and they don't have a quarterback and i know he ha- he's only had like one run over 20 yards but that's never been what he's done ever in his career he's not the guy that's going to bounce 50 yard place. He's the guy that's going to give you eight, 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 25 times a game. And so Ezekiel Elliott going into next year, he's a guy I'm going to have in so many startups because everybody else is just going to let him drop.
0: Yeah. I think the piece missing from this listener's question is these guys that are dropping in value. Are they guys that we're going to look to snatch up in startups next year or guys we don't want? So I kind of went in the direction a little bit of don't want Mitch. I think your group there is kind of a mixed bag for me. You know, Smokey Brown's kind of that disrespected guy every year that, you know, seems to find some value and in the right situation, which he's in now. He just needs to stay healthy, has it. For, for Zeke, just to give a little Cowboys analysis on there, and I, and I hear every week, and, and Mitch, I'm sure you razz me every so often with, the, you know, Pollard is, Pollard is greater than Zeke. I get a bunch of them weekly. Right. Um, You know, t- to me, I think Dallas has a nice two-headed monster at running back and. I'm interested to see what they do in the offseason. You know, if Tyron Smith was healthy at left tackle, if they're right tackle Collins, which will, he definitely will be back healthy next year. Like they could fix this whole line and then you get Dak back. So I'm not necessarily selling on Zeke, but as you know, there are just certain guys where if I that I do like more than Zeke, if I could get him, I will move Zeke because of the reasons you stated. So I,
2: I looked at this a little bit, obviously more closely to the way. Mitch saw this, I think, but again, the way that the question was asked, you could have gone either way, but there are a few guys that due to their age, and you're already seeing it, as Mitch mentioned, whether it's league chats, um, mock drafts that are going on Twitter, but guys that we're already seeing slip down, and some of them are still really high-valued assets, but let me get there. One guy that is on my radar is Devontae Adams. He's currently 27 years old, turns 28 the day before Christmas, a Christmas Eve baby. And he's, like I said, 28 years old. He's going to be, it's going to be very difficult come startup time for him to go ahead of players like DK Metcalf, AJ Brown, Tyree Kill, And even though he's been performing the way he has at such a high level, I think he's going to drop. And that's somebody that I'm going to be looking to add probably in a lot of startups or leagues where, Maybe I have that younger receiver that because I, I think right now if I have DK Metcalf and I offered him to a Devontae Adams manager, I could probably get Devontae Adams plus a piece. I really think so. And then in the same breath, DeAndre Hopkins, Michael Thomas, you know, looking Alan Robinson, obviously a few tiers down, but those are older receivers that they're not the new shiny toys. They're not AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, CD Lamb, even you know, Justin Jefferson. So these are high-end receivers that are going to be slipping, not quite to the level that that Dan was talking about, but still slipping nonetheless. Half a round, a full round, it's going to be there. And then a uh, running back that I that comes to mind because I was almost I I was on this train coming in to this season, but Derrick Henry. You, you know, you look at him, you you. He is still so disrespected across the dynasty landscape he really is and he's what 26 years old you know about to be 27 when's his birthday Mitch you have to unlock this tier sheet cuz i can't scroll when you lock it you but can scroll i can't i can i can, I can scroll Henry if i is if I, 26 wait. he will be 27 in january So, and again, you look at these running backs, once you hit 26 years old, you might as well be out of the NFL, but he's a guy that is going to be a value in startups and it doesn't look like he's slowing down. But again, we we talk about Mitch, I'm looking at your tiers right here. You have DeAndre Swift ahead of him, Miles Sanders ahead of him, uh, Ezekiel Elliott's still there, but maybe you drop him a little bit. I don't know, but you have these other backs ahead of him that we talk about. Perceive value in production; those two things aren't lining up whatsoever right now. So those are just a few guys. Again, I I took that question a different way.
0: John, I'm I'm glad you brought up Derrick Henry because Mitch is still continuing on the Derrick Henry hate from the preseason, not respecting them What what is it going to take to for him to get the respect he deserves? The guy's a freak. He's a specimen. He's not human. He's, he's a slate. No, breaker. I
1: agree. I still have him as a top. T- I have him as a top eight. Back, if I'm counting right in my head right now. And that's still probably higher than most people, in the dynasty community. Right. Yeah. And I don't think that's far off what his value is everywhere else.
0: Like the, the Miles no. Sanders example stands out, Mitch. And, and let me know what you think guys, because there was uh, one of my different leagues in a chat. This guy puts uh, he look, it's a 96 team copy league and he's trying to get a share of Derek Henry. And he says, I'll, I'll what did he say? He goes, I'll trade my Miles Sanders share for him. And I couldn't resist but kind of chiming in there and said, Henry greater than Sanders. And then, it, you know, ignited this nice little conversation. But right. for me, the Philadelphia Eagles are a mess. Like it's similar to you're talking about Zeke, Mitch, their offensive line is horrible right now. That that organization also might need to be gutted. And I'm concerned there. So for me, I I have no confidence in taking Miles Sanders over Derrick Henry just because of his age. And I know he is talented.
1: Uh, The three-year difference is huge though. So when this tier sheet is made kind of off values as well. And so as much as like, we love Derrick Henry. I want to have him on my team. And my best teams have Derrick Henry this year. I love the guy, but he's three years older as a running back right now. No matter how much I love him, other people aren't going to value him as a top six or seven back. And that's kind of where people have Sanders eight, nine, right around there right now but I, I guess I probably, where my
0: philosophy is different. Sorry, JB. I'm all, I'm all hyped on the Derrick Henry train here is I don't want to wait two, three years to be able to win my league. I'd rather <laughs> wait it out with Derek Henry and use a first round draft pick in a couple of years and pick a, a younger running back. Then I guess that's where I struggle.
2: No, I could see that. And I just want to clarify because Kyle, Kyle, I think was upset with me. He said, you're crazy. And I, and I said, why? And I, maybe I'm, misinterpreting this but those are those are guys that i think i'm going to be acquiring and yes they're not dropping on my board but in the dynasty community those are people Mm -hmm. that are going to be disrespected And again ageism it is a very real thing within the dynasty community we all know that but derrick henry those upper tier wide receivers are probably guys that i'm going to be accumulating multiple shares of as the the off season kicks off and dan i know you don't want me to jump the gun but i say it every week startup season is that much closer i cannot wait Two weeks there will be startups in two weeks
0: it's a good thing i have two weeks off of vacation because i got to keep up with you guys you're startup ready already
2: wow all right so moving on here we had a question and it's another hot topic player but james robinson Dan, what are your thoughts on James Robinson? There were a few questions and I kind of threw them into one, but where do you feel comfortable taking him in early off season startups compared to other running backs? And is he a top 10 dynasty running back for you? This
0: is a great question. And, you know, I'm going to evaluate even more in the off season, even though you guys have already started the off season, even though we're, you know, entering week 13 here. Um, but at this point in time, I'm leaning. Yes. Yes. To him being a top 10 dynasty running back and, in drafting him in that range now again I'll evaluate more as we watch what teams do in the offseason but right now he is producing on a crappy team he could run he could catch he could block and he's not hitting that rookie wall I think that's one of the more interesting things here we are in week 13 and this guy isn't fizzling out you know I was a little bit concerned about his schedule down the stretch here and he's just producing every week consistently so is he a top 10 running back? I can't definitively say he is because there's some really talented dudes in that, in that range there. But boy, is he in the conversation for sure.
2: Earlier tonight, I, I got a little warm up in and I did a guest spot on the P2W fantasy podcast. And James Robinson, of course, came up because, again, everybody within the dynasty community is talking about him. We saw his floor against Pittsburgh, essentially. He didn't find the end zone, still had 70 rushing yards, who so was pretty efficient, pretty effective. And there's eight or nine games a season he's had four targets so he's getting that workload both on the ground and through the air and jacksonville like you said dan kind of a crummy team we all know that but they're a very interesting case where it does not matter what the score is they're okay running the ball doesn't it doesn't matter say. who the quarterback is john <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nothing it, matters it, it doesn't matter it doesn't matter that the game script mm-hmm. the opponent They're willing to put the ball in the hands of James Robinson. So should that make us feel good? I I think so. But, Mitch, I don't want to say it. The only thing, draft capital. Yeah, it's true.
1: No, I mean, I look at him, and I have him right now around running back 13 and 14. And this is nothing to do with James Robinson. I love him. I actually, think he's going to go late third to early fourth in most drafts, and 12-teamers especially. Around super that
2: range. 12 team super flex.
1: Yeah, super flex. I don't one quarterback, I have no idea where anybody goes. I haven't
2: yeah, but in one you never know range. if somebody new's
1: popping in. You just like to reiterate. Without a doubt, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. And so, and the reason why I have him that low is because I still have Nick Chubb ahead of him, Aaron Jones, Austin Eckler. The only guy that I have above him that I'm kind of hesitant on is Jonathan Taylor. I mean Sadly, right now, I look at Jonathan Taylor and you hope that his potential shines through. You hope his draft capital puts him in a good spot. But everything we've seen from the Colts so far is that might not be the case. He might be just a back who gets maybe 50% of the work most games. With James Robinson, we know he could get 95% of the work, which is better than CMC type of work share. I mean, that's better than what CMC did last year. And so with James Robinson, that's the question is how much are you going to base that draft capital? Because the next coaching staff could come in and be like, nah, you know, we're just going to go somewhere else and it won't cost them anything to go with the other direction. But at the same time, they have James Robinson for like 500,000 for the next three years. And so why
2: wouldn't you play him? This is what's going to be very interesting. And you know that startups are taking place all throughout the off season. pre-draft, post-NFL draft if you take part in a startup pre-NFL draft and you get him in the third or fourth of a dynasty startup super flex and they don't take a running back in the NFL draft now all of a sudden you got ahead of the curve there and that value is going to spike and Kyle in the chat says he'll be a first round pick if they don't draft someone I don't know if he'll be that high you know in maybe a, a typical redraft league I think that Sure. He could sneak in and it just
1: takes one. And that's the truth is he could end up going in the first, but I'm not willing to spend a first round draft pick on James Robinson. I love the dude, but I mean, I'll wait a couple rounds and get Austin Eckler. You know, I mean, I am completely okay with that. That's the thing with James Robinson is he has the talent to be that first round pick. Are you going to be willing to spend that draft capital and doing it because that's a draft pick that could just bust out in two years. And that's the worry to where if you get someone else, say you get Nick Chubb, Nick Chubb's more than likely going to be in the league in two years and producing in two years.
0: Yeah. And yeah.
1: Robington should.
0: Nick Chubb's in a very stable situation and, and he's just, he's lights out. To me, he is. Derrick Henry, I don't even want to say like, because I don't want to insult him. It's just that cream hunt factor maybe makes him Derek Henry like, because Henry doesn't have to share any workloads. I think to Mitch's point on the draft capital, that probably puts him for me right around where Mitch has him ranked. Because one thing, when I am drafting, I try to get as much certainty as I can in a pick and as much confidence. And then there's just that uncertainty now with Jacksonville. What direction are they going? What kind of offense are they going to run? Who's who's running this ship? I don't want to get stuck with something dysfunctional like. The Lions and DeAndre Swift, who has been crippled until Matt Patricia, you know, before it was too late, finally decided, hey, maybe I should be, you know, giving this guy the workload. And, you know, Adrian Peterson, who's starting every week, says, I don't know why they didn't do that weeks ago. So I I don't want a running back that's in a terrible situation and it's going to just hamper his ability
2: but that's one thing that I'm very interested to see. And like I already mentioned the dynamic between pre NFL draft and post NFL draft startups and how values change, because now let's say you have somebody in January or February that takes him end of the second, beginning of the third, and now they spend significant draft capital, whether you want to admit it or not, it is going to hamper, you know, uh, hamper his value there a little bit, but somebody made a good point. Well, somebody made a point, (laughs) And they said that James Robinson, he he should be a top ten dynasty back, and that his uh, draft capital, you know, it should be. Or, sorry, uh, again, I'm, I'm 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 just so excited. I'm like, where it's, are you going, man? <laughs> listen, it, it's December. I I have my Snoopy mug out today. I, I've had two cups of hot cocoa. <laughs> I'm all hopped up on the cocoa tonight. But essentially, this gentleman said. That I, I can't keep all these Twitter conversations straight, you know that, guys. But uh, this gentleman said that we need to take into account draft capital for him, and that's why he shouldn't be a top ten back. And I said that's exactly the only reason he isn't. Mm-hmm. That's the only reason he is not. If you put his statistics and you know, forget about name and draft capital, but if if you put that on Jonathan Taylor. And you put that on Clyde edwards layer J.K. Dobbins, Cam Akers. That is a top four, five dynasty back. Oh yeah, and yeah. so that you're getting that discount, it is baked in the price already.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we get we we are taking into account, and that that's a fine point. But you got to know when to let go of that too. And I think that's what we're determining right now. When right, is this death. guy for real? And you don't want to keep passing up on him and regretting it.
1: Yep, he's a guy to where – if. If he ends up going in the first round of startup drafts, and I have him on a few teams because I was able to get him for a second round draft pick. Um, If I'm able to do that, I will immediately flip him. Like the second I see him going startup drafts in the first round, I will trade him and every team that I already have him on in a heartbeat because like you could get that value in other places. And if it's that high for a guy that you don't know if he's going to be there in a few years, I mean, I love James Robinson. Like, JB, you know how much I love James Robinson. I know. But that first-round draft capital is I – mean, that's elite, elite territory
2: for me. I I, I can't see how he's a first-round starter pick, though. And, yeah. I, again, I love James Robinson, too. And the, the chat, I love these comments. You know, uh, Packer Nation – Josh Jacobs this year is drafted early second and James Robinson has been playing better than him last year, arguably. Mm -hmm. So I can see J Rob being taken around there. I still don't know if he's going to be early second again, in super flex startups, maybe you transition to one quarterback leagues and it's a little bit different there, obviously with quarterbacks slipping down the draft board significantly, but you have, you probably have six to eight quarterbacks alone at this point that are going to be going in the first two rounds of many startups. So I it's just gonna be knocking a lot of talent down, but I can't see James Robinson going that early. And then Kyle, I love this comment. And Mitch, are you you might be Kyle here? I don't know if this is your burner, but I hate right? the draft capital argument once a guy has shown he can perform, and absolutely agree, Dan. You know very well I have been banging that Chris Carson drum for three seasons. Now Mm -hmm. just screaming when Rashad Penny came into the league, I got into many heated debates that it was Chris Carson's backfield with the caveat, if he could stay healthy, but when he's healthy, he has been so effective and everybody still Kyle. Everybody still points to Chris Carson and says that, you know, seventh round draft capital. It doesn't matter. He's an outlier. Yes, but he's already there. So, that shouldn't continue to be baked in, but still one season in, I do think that's something that people are still looking at with James Robinson, especially if there is, you know, the, the new regime, uh, coming in here. Um, yeah,
0: James Robinson's Chris Carson. I'm thrilled.
1: You know, you yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The
0: organization loves him. He's producing, you know, the only thing that's hindered Chris Carson has been his health.
1: So, but, it, but you bring up Chris Carson. I th- he is the perfect point how good has Chris Carson been over the last three years? He's been unbelievably good, right? Where does he get drafted in startups? That's why I have, I have 30% roster ship. Exactly. And that's the thing is, is like, if the Jaguars had a good head coach right now, everything was in place. We saw things progressing. I'd be willing to spend more on James Robinson with a new head coach, new regime, knew everything, it's a really hard to spend that much capital on him. But I think we've kind of hammered
2: that point home already. What, and, what? And re- re- really quick, Dan, really quick. Sorry. You know, I, I sent a, a tweet out about this, but during the off season, I wasn't high on James Robinson at all. So I'm not going to act like that person. Oh, I was in at the ground floor uh, since day one. He's my ride or die. He wasn't even on my radar, to be honest with you. And we had a feeling we talked about during the off season, That they might move on from Leonard Fournette, but, you know, James Robinson still wasn't the guy that I was looking at. And, you know, we bring up dysfunction and and, an iffy situation there in Jacksonville, but he's been a player I've been willing to pay up for. You know, I, I paid a first plus for James Robinson, but I still don't think it gets us to that first round startup or second round startup. And I would love to see it during the off season if people take part in early off season startups, s- send us the the screenshots and the information, you know, if you have a link to your draft. We would love to to kind of follow along and see where some of these players go because the values have been changing significantly and often.
0: My my last point on on both of your comments I agree he doesn't get to first round. I think potentially he does second. But with Chris Carson, I agree with your comparison there, Mitch. Although the only thing we talk about where he slid in recent years, part of that, too, is Seattle and Pete Carroll kind of playing games with us. You know, when they draft Rashad Penny, it's like, oh, wait a second. They're, they're going in this different direction. It was the same thing with Aaron Jones this year. You know, we all knew Aaron Jones was awesome last year, but we got scared away a little bit because they're drafting A.J. Dillon so darn high. Mm-hmm. And, and they had Jamal Williams like, all right, so maybe he slides a little bit. So what the team's telling us they're doing also kind of
2: pushes us a little bit.
1: Without a doubt. Yep.
2: All right. So James Robinson. That was a fun I get, one. I like that Dude, I love James Robinson. I, I do too. And I, you know, it's funny because I'm trying to keep up with the chat and we, we have Jeff, Seth, Kyle, uh, Owen was in there earlier. Any names that I may have missed, but it, it, I'm I'm trying to keep up and I'm like, okay, which way is this person arguing or, or debating? So I, I, I love these conversations and the, I don't know how many weeks I have to say it guys, but we have the best listeners the best viewers and they show in the chat i'm pretty sure kyle's fingers are going to be falling off here how, how quickly he's getting these messages out but i man, really I think love james it. robinson the
1: twitter talk around him will be the jonathan taylor talk from last off season it's how high will he end up going and if you have if you had a jonathan taylor tweet last last off season it got like 200 likes or everyone bashed you depending on what it was i think james robinson's going to be in the same boat People are going to love him or people are going to hate your take. And it's going to be all based off these pre-existing draft capital, new coaching staff, but he's awesome. So how do you put that into it? So this year is going to be amazing. Like I think this 2020 season itself with all the COVID, all the injuries, then we have this great rookie class coming in that doesn't have a lot of good running backs. So the old running backs are still going to hold value. Like this upcoming startup draft season, if you're right, you are going to set yourself up for years and you don't need to do the slow build. If you just get right this year, you'll be good for years to come.
2: I can't wait. And we got into it a little bit on the Patreon chat earlier today, but I can't wait for the Najee Harris conversations. The 23 year old running back would be a massive outlier despite draft capital but then you look at the guys that have had success like a david johnson that that third round draft second or third round draft capital for a 23 year old um and, and certainly Najee harris not going to be slipping to the third but you know it's going to be very interesting now before we move on and we're going to kind of gradually move along here but if you're in the chat i want you to drop in there right now december 1st 9 42 p.m yes Mitch 942. That is the real time. Not not this mountain That's my time. bedtime. But throw in there what is the earliest you are willing to take James Robinson in a dynasty super flex startup? You know, uh January 1st. You're on the clock, whatever that pick is. I want to know. So Kyle, Seth, Jeff, whoever's in there, drop it in there. I'm curious. I'm curious here. All right, Dan, we're gonna get through this one pretty quickly. But I want to spend time on it only because it was a question we got and it was on Twitter and this person, it was five messages. That's how much they typed. And I was like, I, I, I want to at least mention it. So Dan, and it's a long question. I kind of condensed it, but a manager makes a trade that puts him over the roster limit, okay? He then says he is looking to trade a player prior to the trade deadline to get back below the roster limit. The commissioner is making the manager drop a player first to get within the roster limits and this is from this gentleman that tweeted at us apparently this is a thing on sleeper but the listener wants our thoughts so there's a gentleman in his league this was going on apparently it got pretty heated we don't know anything about heated conversations that's never happened but dan what, what do you think here like fair foul i mean it seems like it might be a glitch in the system which talking about glitches taste I mean, that tight end spot. <laughs> I'll
0: give a simple answer here, and then Mitch can expand on it. He's got the the best commissioner experience, you know. I think in all the leagues we're in, the best leagues put things to a vote. You know, there's no for no reason for things to get heated and get fired up. Um, do I think someone should have to cut someone before the deal? No, I don't. But whatever the rules are and the bylaws are, what I'm following. So if it's in there and it says it does, I should. If not, we should go to a league vote. But I mean, unless two trades are in conjunction with each other. I think ethically you should cut somebody immediately. You know, if Mitch and I make a trade and that's putting me one guy over, unless I have a like an immediate trade set up with UJB where it's just all happening instantaneously, I need to cut that guy. That's ethically the right thing to do. If it's not in the league rules, I I think we put it to a league vote. No need to fight and argue these leagues are supposed to be competitive but
1: fun.
2: So I ethics methics. Come on. What do you got? <laughs> so Mish? I don't
1: know sleeper that well. So I'm going to base it off my fantasy league and people on sleeper can figure it out that way. On my fantasy league, there's a setting to where you can allow trades that will let you go over the roster limit, or there's a setting to where you just don't let it happen. But let's say you have the setting enabled that allows the trade to go over. Um, what should happen is the commissioner shouldn't let you set a lineup in if you're over the roster limit. You can't have 31 players on your team while the rest of the league has 30
2: because you made a trade. Wait, wait, really quick though. In in that setting, Mm -hmm. can you make a trade before setting a lineup or does it not even let you? You can make the trade, but then
1: as soon as you make the trade and you're over the roster, you can't make a change to that lineup at all. No, but can
2: you make a trade then? Uh, So you made a trade, you Mm -hmm. have 31 players. Can you make another trade before setting your lineup? Yes, and that's perfectly acceptable. In my view,
1: that's a, if someone makes a trade on Tuesday, they're over the roster limit and on a normal Thursday, besides this week, you know, on a normal Thursday they make a trade to get back under the roster limit, that's perfectly fair. They're not really doing anything, you know, waivers went through. It's not a huge deal. But if when that Thursday night game starts, if they have 31 players on their team, I think that's when it becomes a big deal. So, I don't I kind of read this question as The guy made a trade and he wants to keep himself above the limit until the trade deadline, which could be a week or two down the road. And if that's the case, then I completely agree with the commissioner that you cannot allow that to happen. You need to cut the player as soon as those first games start for the week.
2: All right, well, there's some good insight. Again, I wanted to hit on that question just because this person, it it was a long message. They took time out, and I'm glad that we got to discuss it. Now, before we move on to the last topic of conversation, I'm rolling through this. Bob was very specific in the chat. He said, I'll take James Robinson at 210. Exactly 210. 210. Jeff says third or fourth for Jeff. Seth, early third. Packer Nation, late second, early third. Kyle, early third. John third Kyle's dropping in with mid second. How many picks do you get Kyle? Come on. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, good, good it, he, he, just such a, I don't want to say polarizing because I think everybody does like mm-hmm. James Robinson and we could talk, we, we could have a 10 hour show just on James Robinson. But the last question that we got, and I was excited because this one came from somebody on Instagram and we don't get that much interaction on Instagram. So I saw a message and I thought it was one of those spam messages. I'm like, all right, let's see what this is. And it was a legitimate question. So, Dan, let's start with you. Overall, what are your thoughts on the Carolina Panthers going into next year? Who do you value the most out of the wide receiver core? And is there a better value than the others? So kind of a a good, better, best situation. Um, So let's stop there because there's still two more parts to this question.
0: I I love this question. You guys know me. uh, The coach of me comes out. I love drafting players based on – the direction of their team, you know, what what they're running, what they're doing, less dysfunction, the better. Uh, so for Carolina, they're a team on the rise for me. I think their management and coach rule, you know, I love that part of the preseason where all the new coaching hires come in and you're listening to their press conferences, trying to get a gauge of what they're saying and what their philosophies are. And this organization has done everything they said they were going to do this, this season. I mean, despite injuries and despite still being thin on the roster, they've put together a very competitive ball club. So I love what they're doing. I think they should should, and probably will build their O-line in the, in the offseason through the draft or free agency, certainly improve their defense, and that's going to make them an overall better team. I believe it's Christian McCaffrey's team still, you know, as, as well as Mike Davis filled in, again, which is a, a complement to their offensive system. Uh, when he comes back, he is the guy, so I think it runs through him. And then when we look at the, those wide receiver corps, I think DJ Moore is the man still. I truly believe that. I think Robbie Anderson's a wide receiver too that will have some good weeks. He's their underneath route running guy. And this year now, I believe Curtis Samuel is a thing. He's young, he's fast. He's, he's always looked good on film for me. I just didn't quite know where he fit. This great coaching staff shows he could be something relevant, not just for football, but for fantasy football. So I, I love them. And I think you said we're stopping at that before we go ahead to the rest of the question, JB.
2: I don't know how many times I'm going to bring up Halloween, but Dan's over there talking about the wide receiver corpse. (laughs) I'm I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Um, So yeah, it's, you know, you look at this wide receiver core and it's been great seeing Curtis Samuel get more involved, right? And they've been trying to manufacture plays for him and touches. But looking at contracts here, his contract is up after 2020. Robbie Anderson after 2021. DJ Moore, I believe, if they exercise the option, it's 2022. That's the last season under his current contract. So a lot of moving pieces here. Mitch, do we think Teddy, do we think he's the guy? Maybe not necessarily long-term, but at least 2021?
1: So speaking super flex-wise, of course. Of course, of course. If you have him as your second quarterback, I think you're not going to do very well. But if he is your third quarterback and you have someone like, say, Matt Ryan ahead of him, and Justin Herbert. He is the perfect guy to have there. Uh Uh-oh, Dan's getting ready to throw it. But I really don't think you could have Teddy as your quarterback too. Um, He's had issues staying healthy throughout his whole career. So having that as your second quarterback is an issue. And as much as we love the offense, when McCaffrey comes back, McCaffrey could end up getting a lot more rushing touchdowns than those passing touchdowns that Teddy's got this year.
2: Here's my question though, but and Dan, the red flag, you'll be able to throw it in a second. But Mitch, you kind of walked around the question there. 2021, oh, is he the is he the guy in Carolina? Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, they can't cut him. I mean, they're
1: playing themselves out of contention for. Well, I guess if according to Twitter, we're gonna have like seven first round quarterbacks taken. So when Kyle Trask is drafted in the first round. Um, I will not be wanting him to be the quarterback of the Panther. So yeah, I definitely think Teddy Bridgewater will be the quarterback for 21. We had a really and I actually think e- moving
2: forward too. We had a really good chat earlier and it seems like I, I think the, you know how they always put the lines on how many, you know, mm-hmm. whatever positions can be drafted in the first round. I think it's going to be like five and a half. I think that's going to be so. the number. Yep. And then it's gonna be interesting to see how it teeters from five to six. All right, Dan, throw your flag.
0: I want to be like that coach on the sidelines. I guess they actually toss it. All right. You can't quite see that, but I tossed it here in the, in the, in the home office, you know, so Teddy Bridgewater, I guess to Mitch's point, he is my concern of Carolina. All right. <laughs> he, he's the biggest question. There's definitely been some concerns when they've gotten into the red. So and the way he's protected the ball, he has gotten a little banged up, but I think part of that's due to that offensive line and they're throwing the ball a lot. Um, but I think if they do improve that offensive line and you have Christian McCaffrey, that offense is just a fantasy gem there. I mean, he's got so many weapons around him, and I do believe his job is secure for two to three years easy. Would I rather him as my QB3 versus QB2? Sure. Hey, who who wouldn't, you know, to have that flexibility and have a stronger number, two. But I have no, like I wanted Teddy at different points this season. I, I definitely like him as a quarterback too. So that's where my challenge is. I think you're fine with him as your your quarterback too, with that Carolina offense, with an organization that's trending in the right direction. That's got three really good receivers, the best running back in the league, uh, underachieving tight end that we all probably still like a little bit. I don't know if we, you know, I don't know what. He, I just don't think it's a tight end offense. But, but I, I love Teddy. I, I think he's he's solid for fantasy football. Um, he does need to keep getting better. He keeps keeping improving. I think they'll, they'll hit a point where if that Carolina can't get over the hump with all those weapons, you know, we'll, we'll see where they do land in the draft. If they do try to build someone for the future.
2: For me, he's going to be the quarterback in 2021. You look at the dead cap situation, uh, $20 million. And I know we've seen teams move on from those ugly cap situations, but, three million dollars in savings it's going to be tough sledding for them now you look to 2022 that's a different story five million dollars in dead cap with 21 million dollars in savings but you look at this team especially offensively there really aren't that many areas for them to improve you so you look at the offensive line i think that's something that we could focus Maybe. on but that trio and and kyle mentioned it in the chat that trio of receivers they've been strong all three of them have made plays great weapons available for Teddy Bridgewater. You have Christian McCaffrey, just like you said, Dan tight end, probably not going to be anything of fantasy value. I was all aboard Ian Thomas and man, he disappointed me. Uh, Maybe he'll be like a sixth or seventh year breakout one day, one day when my son gets in his first fantasy league, maybe Ian (laughs) Thomas will be, that that's the tight end you want. He's only 44 years old now, but I, I don't know. I, I hope Teddy Bridgewater is a, at least remotely long-term solution here, but maybe they look, no pun intended here, but he's the bridge quarterback in 2021 if they do draft somebody.
0: I just think he fits in that class of quarterbacks that with the talent around him, he could be good for enough years to help us in our fantasy rosters versus a guy that cannot and they're going to be looking to move him very quick. I think he'll buy time with the weapons around him.
2: All right, here's a question that popped up, and I saw so many of these. Do you guys have anything else about here about Carolina here? No, I think we summed it up pretty good. Don't well, go
1: and get Ian Thomas shares. Whoever the tight end <laughs> is next year, don't, don't get matter. him. We will not use him.
2: Ian, I was going to send him a nice Christmas gift too, but I I, I can't now. I I can't. <laughs> All right, so John in the chat, how do you guys rank for next year? So I'm taking this from a redraft perspective. C.E.H., J.K. Dobbins, James Robinson.
1: Redraft? We don't speak redraft on Dynasty Theory, John, so you need to rephrase that question, please.
2: All right, so John did not say, how do you guys rank these players and startups? C.E.H., J.K. Dobbins, James Robinson. Uh, Let's go through it quickly. Dan, I'm going to put you on the spot here.
0: (laughs) I I can never get enough of the Kansas City offense, so I'll stick with C.E.H. there, and then I will... Oh, no, man. It goes back to that draft capital question, doesn't it? You know, I, I think I was high on Dobbins early. Ingram's going to be older. I'll, I'll go Dobbins and Robinson, but that, that that two and three is super close.
2: Yeah, Mitch, I agree with does
1: that. The same for you, exact same. Yep.
2: Uh, should I vo- I'm gonna avoid? I'm going to avoid answering this question because this chat is rowdy tonight. <laughs> i really angry. the wrong thing. No. <laughs> I'm sure somebody could find my address. There's my people at my front door. How could you rank them this way? Tyler in the chat. I'm skipping right over it. Tyler in the chat says, are we worried at all that CMC doesn't come back for the fantasy playoffs? It's brain like we should be logically
1: we should be. But the guys always come back like the NBA will and Major League Baseball will just shut people down for the season. But for whatever reason, the NFL just doesn't do it. I mean, we've been worried about that with the Falcons for the last few years now. It's like Julio isn't going to play. Then he's out there week 17 playing and Matt Ryan's out there playing. I mean, we could say the same thing about Stafford with Detroit. He'll be out there if he's healthy. Like for some reason, the NFL just treats their star players differently when it comes to the end of the
2: year. You could could also look at Mixon in Cincinnati. Last year, why did he come back? But now he has the contract. Let's see what happens.
0: I think that's a good question there by Tyler too from another reason. We talk about Carolina's coaching staff and Matt Rule. We've got a one-year sample of him. So far, I think he's been pretty forthcoming and honest. Like they sound like they want him to play, like he could play, that he's trending in a good direction. So would I put all my eggs in one basket? No, you know, if if you're doing that, you know, try to have as whatever depth you could get into the playoffs. But I would be optimistic. But I love watching to see what coaches are telling us the truth because next year, a year from now, two years from now, we're kind of making decisions a little bit on what the coach speak. And we know we don't listen to Coach Carroll coach speak, but, you know, hopefully
2: we can coach rule. And then we always believe Sean McVay when he talks about his upcoming running back usage (laughs) for the next week, right? Without a doubt. Yep. All right. So if we have nothing else, uh, what's this little cyber Monday last chance? I get this pop up on my computer here. All right, Dan.
1: Final
2: thoughts. All right. Th- we're, we're still in the middle of week 12. What do you have for our listeners?
0: I really got to, you know I'm happy you said that, John, because I was ready to start out with a week 13 comment, you know, after the Ravens and the Steelers play tomorrow afternoon, which is de- definitely conflicting with my workday schedule here. I got to figure that out, but it will be week 13 after that game. And it's the last week with buys. You know, Carolina and Tampa Bay, some leagues are starting playoffs. So I hope that doesn't hamper our listeners out there. Good luck to everybody as they start their playoffs. But keep managing those teams. Prepare for this final bye week. Manage that waiver wire right down to the end here. And I just want to wish our listeners good luck as we approach the playoffs. A very exciting time.
2: All right, Mitch, what do you got?
1: So as we've mentioned a few times already, I didn't even think that we would. But it's so close to startup season. I had to mention this because I've already seen questions pop up on Twitter about it. If you join a startup, the 2021 rookie picks have to be included in the draft. I don't care if it's the custom picks or if you draft kickers and make them the the rookie draft picks, but you have to include them. Like I've seen leagues before to where you get you you know your 101 through the one, 112 in the startup, and then they just reverse it for the rookie draft. That, and it I think that's the awful. worst. Yeah, it's the worst thing in history. So do not join a league that does that. Make sure that the rookie picks are in the startup draft. It's the most important thing right now. And then last but not least, I know John's going to mention it, but I will too. So when we bring up the Patreon, the Patreon isn't going to take a thing away from the podcast. The, what we have in Patreon is things that we can't put into the podcast. It's team breakdowns, league breakdowns, tier lists, just things that we can't actually do on this podcast. So our Patreon will never
2: take away from what we're doing each and every week here. And that also will include 10 to 15 minute breaking news pods. If Dan and I are available, we'll jump on really quick. Mitch and I, just me, but nobody wants to sit there and listen to me talk for 10 minutes straight even though that happens sometimes it happens sometimes and then we have the sunday brunch episode where maybe i'll indulge in a mimosa from time to time i don't know we'll see how it goes all right as always we want to thank everybody for tuning in make sure you follow the show on twitter and instagram at dynasty theory ff stay safe be kind to each other and have a great night